Hi, welcome to the Love and Serve podcast. I'm your host, Christy, and I am super excited to share with you. This podcast is all about loving where you've come from, loving where you are, and loving where you are going. I am honored to be on the journey of self-love with you together. Let's dive in. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Love and Serve podcast. I am really excited to be back here uh, in 2023, just sharing with you wisdom from the heart. And today we're going to be talking about healing judgment. And um, this is a really important episode for me personally, because a lot of the things that I come to you and teach is a lot of the things that I need to remind myself of, or I need to learn more of. And so I really want to dig in and 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 have you just take a look at your own life, your own your past, your present, and ask yourself, where do you judge? And are you a judger? There's certain areas that we have a tendency to judge in, and that would be our physical appearance or the physical appearance of others, behaviors, people's behaviors, our behaviors, people's belief systems, our belief systems as well as achievements. We have a tendency to judge people by what they've achieved, and then we, we level up to them, where you either feel like we're, we're lesser than or greater than. Um, and we do judge people by their lifestyle choices. Are they in alignment with our values and what we believe in? And if not, then we put them in a category. And then social status. Right? You see this in all the Hollywood films. You, you see um, the, the boy or the girl from the Upper East Side to you know, the one uh, that's lived in the slums and the discrepancies and the energetic differences between them and one thinks they're better and the other one thinks they're lesser. Um, but there's always this polarity and one always has more of a gift than the other one might have. And uh, so we, we've been programmed since, oh my gosh, since we were young and watching movies and television <clears throat> regarding social status. And, and then there's relationships. You know, we judge our relationship with each other. We judge other people's relationships. We either admire or we disapprove of. So we're going to be talking today just about judgment in general, how we can be more aware, more conscious of our roles in, in, in recognizing where we're judging. And is it, is it healthy judgment uh, or is it is it is it not healthy? I would say that discernment is very healthy and judgment is not healthy. But it was interesting that scripture says, judge not lest ye be judged. Christ always said to forgive. And then the Buddha said, there is nothing to judge because perception only sees illusion. Interesting. So judgment um, has been said that it's the great vanity of all egos. And really what judgment I've learned judgment is for me, and I do believe for the majority, is it's mirroring. And so when we judge others, we are truly judging ourselves. So the very thing that we are critiquing of another is the very thing that we need to heal within ourselves. So a lot, a lot of times we will pro project um, onto someone else uh, basically something that we need to see, an insecurity within ourselves, or something that we need to live out that we haven't lived out yet. When it comes to appearance, we, we may feel insecure about our appearances, and so we internalize um, those societal be beauty standards, right? We see it all over social media. 
we begin to program and condition ourselves as to what is likable and lovable and of value in this world. And so if we don't, if we, if we compare ourselves to all the filters out there, um, then there's this tendency to cast judgment, not only on ourselves, but others. And in some ways it's a protective mechanism, right? We're trying to protect ourselves. Um, we're trying to constantly add up. We're, we're trying to be, um, the, the best, or we just give up and we stop even trying anymore. Cause we say, what the heck it's never gonna, I'm never going to get there. So why even try? And, um, and so a lot of us are really hard on ourselves. I know that I am one of those people that in the past and even in the present, I've recognized these patterns where I'm pretty hard on myself. And a lot of that um, way to combat that is becoming aware um, of what we are projecting out there, what we are projecting onto others, and just recognize that it's time to heal it when we, when we recognize in that moment we're not feeling great. So, you know, I've always said we have this emotional guidance system. It's like our navigation system. And that navigation system will trigger something inside of you that you're on the right path. You are in alignment with the higher essence, the higher self, or it's going to actually trigger the opposite. And it's going to say, mm, wrong direction. You're not going down the right path. And how, do you, how can you feel the difference? Well, it's easy. You either feel really good or you don't. Now, there's also a little bit of trickery in this because sometimes the ego um, disguises feeling really good as, oh, this is where I'm supposed to be. However, it um, in the process is just feeding the ego's desire and need for instant gratification. Okay, so it might feel good to talk about somebody or gossip about somebody behind their back. It might feel good in that moment because what's happening is you're connecting with someone. You know, you're sharing this gossip, you're sharing this, you know, stuff with them. And then all of a sudden you have this connection with this other human being. That is truly what we're longing for. There is no good that comes from talking negatively or badly about another soul. It actually lowers your vibration. It attracts more people actually talking about you in a negative way. And so it's really important to be super mindful about where we give our attention and where we spend um, our consciousness, okay? And so also not being an active participant in somebody else's gossip. So let's just say you have a dear friend and that dear friend is, you know, making fun or talking about somebody else and their problems or something they've done wrong. And then you laugh about it. You joke about it. You make fun of it with them. You're feeding this energy. It might feel good to connect, but then in the end, you better guarantee that somebody is going to be speaking about you behind your back and passing judgment on you behind your back. And you're going to feel like one day out of the blue, you're going to feel, oh my gosh, I don't feel really good. Why don't I feel good? Well, guess what? That energy that you sent out there has to come back to you. It has to. Okay, so it's honestly um, loving yourself enough 
is really an important process to the evolution of becoming a kinder, more conscious human being who's actually doing, you know, their purpose in this life. But we have to be aware of the seeds we're planting and the energy we're putting out there. It was so interesting because the other day, um, I, I didn't recognize that one of the movies and the stories that I was creating um, in a moment was a, a, a judgment. I, I, I was unaware that it was a judgment and my spiritual mentor actually called me out on it. And so I had created this, this, this movie in my mind. And let's just say it was the worst case scenario movie. It was dramatic. And what was happening is I'm literally preparing for the worst, right? I'm thinking, well, what if this happens and then this happens and then how am I going to respond? Like it's gonna put me in a difficult situation and if I get put in that difficult situation, how am I gonna act? What am I gonna do? Am I gonna have a boundary in place? Am I going to speak my truth? What am I, like, so I've created this huge story about the situation and I remember, okay, this is bothering me. So I'm going to talk to my spiritual mentor about it. And that's why I always want to tell you guys, it's important to have a spiritual mentor. You know, there's all these coaches out there and so many of them promise the moon and the stars and they charge you a ton of money. But at the end of the day, they're not walking the walk or they haven't walked the walk. And so I'm very mindful about surrounding myself and allowing the influences in my life to influence me. They have to be solid people. It doesn't mean they don't make mistakes. We all do. But what I love is the vulnerability, the authenticity, and just the truth that they speak um, is what will call me into their leadership. And so I don't take that lightly. So the things that I share with you, I've carefully, um, you know, researched myself or, um, you know, picked incredible mentors that have helped me to become the mentor and the coach and the leader that I am today. But she actually called my attention to the fact that what I was experiencing was a judgment. And I was like, what? And um, so, she shared with me that the most important thing for us to do is when we're recognizing that there's this trigger, right? We need to pause. We need to become conscious of what's happening. Just become conscious, become aware of your thoughts. When you get to this point in your evolution, congratulations, because this actually means that you're awake. You're becoming a self-actualized human being. Now, if you are a type A overachiever like my I was for the majority of my lifetime so far, you may begin to beat yourself up for having the thoughts in the first place or even having not learned the lessons. And that has been something, a repetitive pattern that I've been working on even today to break. Um, and uproot, but it's interesting because my mentor said to me, you know, this really isn't about uprooting the problem. You know, where did this feeling come from? Where did this thought come from? She said, you have to get curious about it. Okay. So the minute that you become aware, now I'm aware of it. I had a judgment. I've created this big story around it. 
okay, so now I'm going to ask the creator, um, can you show me please where this comes from? Can you show me where this comes from? And then it may come in that moment instantaneously when you're taken back to a time, right? Whether you were a child or maybe in your adult life where something similar occurred and it set off these emotions, This you have this emotional charge and it made you feel unsafe, unprotected, and you went into fight or flight. So um, anyway, uh, she, she, my, my mentor had shared with me that when you get to this place, instead of trying to uproot, uproot the problem, uproot the story, you know, you hear people talk about, let's reframe it. That's great. Whatever your mechanism is to actually shift and, and, and learn from the lesson is great. But she said to celebrate in this moment that you are aware. And I thought, wow, because you know what? The times that I have been in judgment, the times that I created a negative story, my pattern was to go negative on myself, is to say, oh my gosh, I don't like this feeling. How do I fix it? What's wrong with me? And, you know, I just, I don't get it. I, you know, I get this anxiousness about me. And she explains that the best thing for us to do is to celebrate, hella freaking Luya, you just figured out the root of where this problem came from. Congratulations. Now that we can see it, we can begin to heal it. She explained it's like a worm. A worm comes out of the ground, you see it, and if you go try to grab it really quickly, it's gonna go away, right? So you wanna recognize that the worm is there, but you don't want it to go away and go bury itself back into your, you know, into the, the, the memories of your past. We do wanna recognize, okay, this is something I wanna clean up. And um, just that very thing is powerful and recognizing this is not me. How, much of, how many of us identify with this, this story from our past and we begin to believe it's us? Something's wrong with me, something's wrong. You know, how am I ever gonna fix this? I feel alone, I feel scared, I feel unworthy, I feel ashamed, I feel dark. I feel all these things, right? And if somebody knew like really these thoughts or these fears, oh my gosh, they would not love me. I don't know if I love myself. It's pretty interesting what happens when the opponent, so guys, when I talk about the opponent, the opponent is, yes, some of you might go as far as saying it's Satan or Satan or it's the negative energy or it's, you know, whatever. However you choose to look at it, I believe through my belief systems that the opponent is not there to destroy you. The opponent is there to show you the things that need to be healed. And because a lot of times we don't heal it okay, on our own, doing this work, doing this spiritual work, something has to hurt. A lot of times something has to make us fall down, lose it all, lose the relationship, lose the money, lose the health, lose this in order to do the work. Guys, but we don't have to lose it all in order to heal and do the work. Do you understand? A lot of times we get forced 
because we're not paying attention and we're not choosing to show up and do the work that is necessary for the evolution of ourselves and the planet. So we don't have to do it the hard way. I know for the majority of my life, I believe that the only way to achieve was to do it the hard way. You had to put the hard in, had to be hard or it wasn't worth it. And that is not true. Okay. So for those of you that grew up the way I grew up, believing that it has to be hard in order to be worth it. Well, we need to abolish that concept and begin to change the way we choose to see when that adversity comes in, when it shows up. It is a blessing in disguise. It is meant for us to see, isn't this interesting? Okay. Give you an example. Um, this last Christmas, I was visiting my children. All the kids were at my older son's house, and I have my two beautiful granddaughters there who are just the sweetest little angels on planet Earth. And I found myself like saying, Oh my gosh, I should go be a great grandparent and play on the ground with them. Like, why aren't I playing more? I need to play more. And I started feeling really frustrated and upset and angry at myself because I wasn't playing. Then it literally, like just opening up that can of worms opened me up to the questions. Creator, please show me what's why this is. And what I realized, and this is no disrespect to my, my mother and my father, beautiful souls who did the best that they could. They were in survival mode. They had to provide, they had to take care of the family. So no disrespect to my family, my parents, but I never ever remember one moment where I played with my mother or my father. Now I remember my mother being there for me emotionally when I, as I began to get older and I needed someone to talk to, she was exceptional and I needed a friend. She was exceptional. But what I realized, I did the same thing with my boys. When my boys were little, I had a really hard time playing and I felt guilty about that. Like, you know, oh my gosh, I would feel guilty that I don't want to go out into the snow and make snow castles. I don't like the cold. I don't like snow. But if I'm going to be a great mother, I have to do this. I'm not a great mother if I don't play on the floor. So I would sit on the floor and set a timer and play with them. But I wasn't fully sometimes enjoying it because I felt like, you know, I should be doing something else. Here's what's interesting. I had the talk with all my boys when I was there and I said, guys, I am so sorry. Like, I know you don't blame me. I know you love me, that you believe I did a great job as your mom. But I'm sorry that I didn't get on the floor and play with you as much. And I recognize that here being in my 40s that it was difficult for me to play with Sage and Aura and it was difficult for me to play with you. And you know what? My whole life, it's been difficult for me to play. My whole life, starting at 10 years old, is when my childhood stopped. And I remember the exact day that it happened. I was, my mom 
And I had lived behind a Pizza Hut parking lot off and on. My mom wound up getting a job at the Pizza Hut and bless her heart, she found a way to feed us. So she would mess up pizzas on purpose and put them in the car at night. And when she would pick me up from a sit the sitter, we would go to the lake and we would lay on top of the car and we would eat pizzas under the stars at night and we would dream, okay? And this is the foundation that my mother gave me. She believed, she had me at 15 years old. So imagine, I mean, what she had to endure, the strength and the courage that she had needed to have in order to take care of a little one while she's still trying to take care of herself. So she wound up marrying the manager of the pizza and he wound up being a very abusive person. At first he was nice. We thought he was the nice in shining armor. He came to save us. We had a home now. We had a roof over our head. And I remember my mom had to go to the pizza hut to work one night. And, um, I was at home with my little sister, my baby sister. We shared a room and I heard, um, I had a little bitty TV and uh, in my room and it was a black and white TV and it had antennas and it had an aluminum foil on the antenna just so I could get the channels in, right? You could get a few channels that tells you my age for those of you that know what I'm talking about. And I heard this loud, loud crash downstairs. My stepfather had had friends over and they were doing drugs and cocaine and drinking and partying. And my little sister was asleep in the bed. And at that moment, I had been watching the Mrs. America pageant and it woke her up, it startled her. So I went downstairs and I looked at my stepfather and I said, would you please quiet down? And he looks at me with these evil eyes and he said, come here. And I said, no. And he said, come here. And so I walked towards him and he had some pot in his hand and he said, inhale this, smoke this. And I said, no. And my tears started filling up in my eyes. And he looked at me and he said, if you don't smoke this, I'll kill you. And in that moment, I didn't know what he was trying to do, but he was trying to get me to go to sleep, right? He was trying to put me to sleep. And so I inhaled it. I, I smoked it. And I vomited all over the place. And when I looked at my vomit, it was all white. It just goes to show I hadn't eaten, okay? He hadn't fed us that night. And he shoved me in my own vomit and, and called me names and told me to clean it up. And I remember running up to my room, grabbing my baby sister and rocking her to sleep. And as I walked her to sleep, I saw the new Miss America get crowned and I said, one day I'm going to be her. I'm getting out of here. I was 10 years old, guys. And so I don't sit, tell you this story to make you feel bad or, you know, uh, gain energy from it. But I share this story with you because it may connect with you in some place in your childhood where you stop playing and you stop being a kid. From that moment, I had to find a way to get out. And so I stopped having fun. And so it's no surprise that my current partner in my life is full of fun and he likes to just do fun. He, he loves to travel and try new things and he makes me laugh all the time. And what's interesting is that my mentor and I were talking about this and she was like, look at who you've attracted. You've attracted someone to teach you how to play. And it was like, oh, I just wanted to cry. 
And as I get, I get a little emotional just thinking about it now, because I think of so many of you who didn't, that had your childhood robbed of you because you had to do and experience really hard things. You had to be mature and responsible at too young of an age, but it's not to blame anybody. It's not to, it, it, it is there to be our teacher. And what I love about this work is that now that I'm aware that most of my life and my career, I wasn't playing. I was, I was in survival mode, fight or flight. I had to be the best. I had to make it to the top. I had to do this. And that was my way to get love and connection. That was my way to earn enough money to make sure that I didn't depend on anybody. My mom used to always tell me, never depend on a man the way I had to. And I remember watching her stay in marriages where the life force was sucked out of her and out of us children because we watched these men that abused her emotionally and us emotionally and spiritually and energetically. And there were parts of them that were beautiful. These men were not bad people. They made horrible choices and, and they didn't know how to do the spiritual work. They didn't have the influence. They didn't have the modeling. And so I don't blame humans for getting on the wrong track, but we do get the choice, right? To make these choices that are better for ourselves. So we can't blame because if we're blaming, we're making excuses and we're running from the fact that there is work here that needs to be done. What a gift. What a pleasure that I get to do this work now. What a pleasure that I can go through my day and say, you know what, today I'm gonna be happy. I'm gonna find joy. I'm gonna find fun things to do. It is time to live my life. So I share that story with you um, because I know that you all have your own story and you may not have a story like the one that I had. Likely you don't, you have your own. It might be more um, painful or less painful. Maybe your childhood was fabulous and you, you know, that is great too, but that doesn't come without its own um, source of pain as well. You know, you could have had parents that were, you, you never had to worry or struggle financially and you had a roof over your head, you had food on the table, but you know what? No one really ever listened to you. No one really ever looked into your eyes and said, I see you and you matter. Maybe your parents projected onto you all the things they believed you should be. So you never really got to decide who you were and who you wanted to be. Because every time you did, you felt this lack of love from the people you loved the most. And so you were a little good boy and a good little girl and you got back on the saddle and you decided to ride in the direction of your parents' dreams for you, but you forgot. You, 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 you failed to fi find the truth within yourself that you are deserving to realize what's inside of you that's dying to be, to be observed, that wants to be the song that wants to be sung, the life that wants to be lived, the soul that incarnated here to really express its truth not somebody else's truth for you, but it's truth, your truth. Some of you 
may have struggled with the fact that every time you spoke, you were wrong. So you began to silence your voice. You began to sit back in the shadows of the beautiful voice that wanted to, to be shared. And you believe that your voice didn't matter. You believe that your voice was broken. You believe that something in your voice no one wanted to hear, that you didn't matter. And I'm here to tell you that that is the voice of the opponent that comes to you because you actually have something so grand to say, something so beautiful and magical to be heard, the opponent wants to whisper in your ear, in the quiet, and say, who do you think you are? Nobody wants to hear what you have to say. Nobody wants to see your invention. Nobody wants to read your books. No one wants to hear your songs. No one cares about you, but the truth is, it's a lie. The more that whisper gets louder, it just means you have more in you to share and it's going to change your world and possibly the world. The louder the noise is that's trying to keep you away from sharing your gifts, that just means there's more gifts that are in there that need to be shared. All right. So just remember, when you get into these moments, just remain light about it. Just just be light. You know what I mean about be light? Just, okay, this is interesting. I'm not going to feel heavy about this. I'm not going to build a story upon this that's this big, huge, dramatic story. I'm just going to be light. I'm going to be playful with it. And if you're too playful, let's say you are actually playful in tough situations, in hard situations, that's actually a call for you to maybe not be so playful, to not be so, you know, to, to not be so much in the flow. You actually probably need to be a little bit more serious. So recognize where you're at. Are you too playful and you don't take anything too seriously or are you so serious you're not playful? The key is to find the balance, to be playful, but to also step back and be aware. Okay, recognize, okay, this is something that I need to take care of. I need to look at it. I need to not ignore it, but I also need to not worry and live in fear and lose myself in all of this because um, we have a tendency to be very over dramatic or under dramatic when we need to be over dramatic, okay? All right, so um, a lot of times when we are beginning to abolish this ego, which I really feel like that is our journey here, one of the journeys here is to really learn to tap in and be self-actualized, listen to the voice of spirit, listen to the voice of our higher self. And a lot of times we have a hard time differentiating between ego and higher self. Do you ever have that problem? You're like, okay, I can't tell what's my ego and I can't tell what's my higher self. So the higher self and spirit usually are whispers. They're knowing. You just know it with all your being. Like for me, when I think about what is my higher self, I think about the love for my children, and I think about there is this just truth 
and beauty and just love, unconditional love for them. Like in, it's in my grandchildren, it's just like love. It's like there's no attachments or strings or they need to do this or they need to do that to win my love. It's like, it's just pure love. That is my higher self. So my lower self, my ego begins to have attachments to something, right? Well, what if this or what if that or, you know, um, it begins to doubt. There's fear, there's worry, there's lack of, you know, um, you know, uh, I'm begin to measure things. It's, 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 it's just so interesting because the ego gets more, oh my goodness, it gets a, a lot more clever <laughs> as you begin to also evolve spiritually because, um, it's trying to protect itself and save itself. So you have to recognize that as you begin to abolish ego, there's going to be these, these five, um, it's kind of like when there's five stages of grief, right? When there's a, a great book called, uh, by a psychiatrist Elizabeth Ross. She wrote um, on death and dying, but she said that number one, the first stage is denial when it comes to grief, grieving. The second is anger. The third is bargaining. The fourth is depression. And the fifth is acceptance. So those are the stages of grief. So I've been through lots of grief in my life and I would account that those are the stages. Sometimes you skip some very quickly. Sometimes you may not go through all the steps, um, but but it seems to be pretty typical for people who are, are, are grieving. So as you begin to abolish the ego, you're gonna start to have these the, this resistant, you know, the ego begins to resistant. It doesn't want you to change. It's trying to protect you. So you might get angry you know, you might start to bargain for your position. Like you are right, right? You are right. Your right is your way is the right way. This is all ego. Then you begin to feel guilty afterwards. You know, you feel depressed. You feel de-energized. You're like, oh my gosh, that was, I was so, and then all of a sudden there's an acceptance. Like this is the pattern, right? And you probably can recognize it in your own life. So the key is to just recognize, okay, I'm going through a process here. I'm going to recognize it. I'm going to heal it. I'm doing the work. I'm showing up. And all of these things, guys, you, by doing this work, you're going to be blessed beyond you could ever imagine because it's this stuff. It's this stuff that is, that you're not doing that is keeping you in complacency. It's keeping you from living your dreams or finding your soulmate or, you know, having the wealth that you desire. Guys, that is why it, I've learned, okay, that you can go in ego mode and you can go to the top of anything you want to go into. Okay, I know that. You may not know that, but I know that. But here's the truth. You may get there, but you may not sustain it. Likely you won't sustain it if you're not doing the spiritual work. So you can go hire all the business coaches you want. You can go do all the work you want. But if you're not doing this foundational, spiritual, transformational work, you're not going to keep it. You're not going to keep it. I'm telling you. The drop from the outhouse, the penthouse to the outhouse is a fast one. And I've, I've done both many times. And that's why I always encourage people, if you want to change your life, let's do the foundational spiritual leadership work. So part of, you know, I'm, I'm just now beginning to launch my coaching program and I'm taking on just a few people into my coaching world because I know the power of these transformations will 
begin to align people with the miracles that they are meant to live here. And I want, I desire, I crave, I love to help people see the light. Because for me, I see the light now through all the darkness I had to endure and I fought my way to get here. I don't necessarily believe that you have to fight your way to get there. I didn't have the spiritual leadership and mentors in my life to help me navigate it and to hold the light and turn the light on for me to show me this, there may be a better way. Guys, it's so important. Save yourself thousands of dollars, thousands of hours, and just find yourself a spiritual mentor. It is so radically important. All right, so we're gonna be working on abolishing the ego in some of our future episodes. And so this one, I really hope that you enjoyed it. I thoroughly enjoyed this time with you and sharing with you. And I just wanna offer you um, my love and my belief in you, in your journey, that you are capable of so much more than you could have ever imagined. But it's just being willing to take one little step forward towards the better version of yourself. Begin to recognize this week, just recognize this week when, you know, you start to have those judgments. All right, write it down and then have a conversation with your spiritual mentor about it. If you don't have a spiritual mentor, get one. Have a conversation about it so you can unravel where it's come from and how you can begin to clean it up so you can clean up the vessel. The vessel the vessel is you. This vessel is meant to receive light. It's also meant to give light, but it's also meant to attract more into your world. But you can't attract when you have a dirty vessel. It needs to be cleaned up and purified in order to attract all the goodness that you deserve in this life as being the beautiful human being that you are. So if you want to find out more regarding all of the offerings I have, I do have, you know, like I mentioned coaching earlier, but I'm so excited about sharing my new cosmic love oil that radiates uh, energy at the vibration of love. So it's kind of cool because years ago I was uh, given this beautiful gift from a friend of mine who's no longer here on this planet, but it was, uh, it was love in a bottle, and it had also been infused with love by, I think, some Tibetan monks. And I remember just wearing this. I'm like, oh my God, this is like incredible. Like, I love this. It vibrates higher. So um, in all my metaphysical studies, I, I, I've always believed in energy and that certain flowers and fragrances and people, we all hold energy frequency. So a dear friend of mine, um, one of my business partners, aligned me with this sound chemist who develops sound elixirs that will help remove blockages that may be keeping us from feeling love. And some people may call it, oh, this is so woo-woo, blah, blah, blah. And for me, it was like, I so resonate with it and I, when I wear it, my energy is just uplifted. It, it, and, and, and I know it's not just me. It's, I've had so many testimonies that people say I have the same experience with it. One of our, one of our plastic surgeons who used the oil in uh, Oregon, she's like, Christy, I can't go a day without wearing my oil. I, I feel better when I'm with patients. I'm hearing about the problems and it just makes me feel more elevated. I love it. I love it. So guys, if you're interested, you can go to christydryling.com and go to the Cosmic Love section and learn more about that. And just see all the other things that I have on there that I've developed just to help myself, but to help you to develop tools and resources to, um, to evolve 
because we're all in this together. And as we evolve together, we, we make this planet a much better place for you and me. I think that's what Michael Jackson said. <laughs> anyway, much love to you all. Thank you so much. God bless you and have the most abundant, blessed, beautiful week. Signing off until next episode. Bye, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the Love and Serve podcast. It is my sincere hope that the rest of your day is filled with abundance, love, and light. Know that I believe in you, and when you shine your light, you unconsciously give other people permission to do the same, as stated by Marianne Williamson. You are making an impact. I can't wait to see you on the next episode of Love and Serve. For more information, you can visit us at christydryling.com and follow us at Christy Dryling Beauty.